fundraising is changing. It's changing. And guess what? In my nearly 30 years, I would say it's needed to change. I'm excited by the change, and I hope everybody else is. Um, there are new ways to fundraise today. And so there's a great opportunity to really look beyond your uh, traditional practices, your traditional constituents, and really get creative and also and get more involved in the use of technology to help drive your fundraising. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. Hello again, and welcome back to Nonprofit Marketing with Purpose. My name is Monica Pitts, and I am your host today. And I had the honor of interviewing the lovely Kimberly O'Donnell. And it's kind of exciting because she's a little bit, I feel like you're a little bit of a celebrity because you're with Network for Good. And I see your guys' ads all over Facebook and and my some of my clients use your system. So I'm excited to have you here today to talk about Network for Good and what you guys are up to and where you're going and, oh, and anything nonprofit that you want to share. So to kick us off, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us about you and your organization? Thank you, Monica. Um, thank you for that thoughtful introduction. <laughs> um, we at Network for Good love, love, love to support uh, small to medium-sized nonprofits. And so I am thrilled to be talking with you today about this and, and your um, listeners. Uh, so I am the Chief Fundraising Officer and SVP for Professional Services at Network for Good. Um, but really, I'm, I'm a fundraiser. And a nonprofit person, I've been in the sector, gosh, almost 30 years, and um, have had lots of different roles where I was an executive director um, of a small nonprofit, a volunteer center. Um, I was a chief philanthropy officer at a national association. Um, I worked for the third largest charity in the U.S. And I've also then worked with non, uh, with tech companies that support the nonprofit sector and have worn a lot of hats there as in marketing, in sales, and in thought leadership. So I just kind of bring it all together. <laughs> and I've been with Network for Good uh, for the last four years. And it's just been an awesome ride because I manage uh, our team of personal fundraising coaches. They're working one-on-one -on -one across the country uh, with nonprofits, helping them around fundraising strategy, particularly with um, raising money for individual gifts. And so we really have our fingers on the pulse of what's happening at any given time with um, small and medium-sized nonprofits. And so we're able to also see what fundraising looks like today. We evangelize about what it should look like as we move into the future and, and what it is what it is forming into post-COVID. Um, and so it's a lot of fun to be able to um, have the feet on the ground and then also be able to um, construct the vision for where we think fundraising should be going and, and is evolving. I've read and downloaded a number of your things because 
I always find them interesting and useful. And I want to make sure that I understand where fundraising is going and evolving. So thank you very much for publishing all that stuff because it really is helpful to people like me who are like hanging out in the Midwest and don't get to see everything all over because I feel like the things on the coasts do change a lot faster than they do around here. So it's good to see, hey, this is where stuff is going. I can I can read about it and learn about it. So you guys are doing a great job doing that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You know, and what I would add about that is as you look at the um, landscape of the nonprofit sector in the U.S., um, there are some, you know, really big areas like New York and D.C. and Boston and um, some spots in Texas and Chicago and and um, Silicon Valley area. There's so there there are these hubs for the nonprofits. But, you know, the thing is, is that Today, we live in such a digital world, and certainly with the pandemic, um, things just became much more virtual, and it, it created an opportunity for people who love the mission of all these nonprofits located all over our country and globe to be able to support them in new um, and exciting ways. So, you know, for the organizations that are in more rural areas, there's still an opportunity to reach so many people, you know, from coast to coast. It's interesting. I was, um, I was talking with a, um, well, the Hudson Pride Center the other day um, about their mission and, and what they were doing during the pandemic. And one of the things that they shared was that they had a need um, for more virtual services because there were people from Australia and other parts of the globe who, who, found them and really liked what they were putting out. And so now post pandemic, are we post pandemic yet? I don't know what to call ourselves, but, um, <laughs> but now in this period, they've, they've moved to more hybrid offerings because their, um, their community is bigger than they realized. That's always exciting too. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it can be exciting and it can also be daunting, right? Because trying to serve one peop like one set of people in one area and really understanding what they need and want from you and then moving out to doing it in a much greater sphere is it's, it's intimidating. Um, but I just like any type of growth. And I feel like one of the things that I heard a lot from our nonprofits through the pandemic, especially as they received some grant funding, was that they were going to invest in technology to better manage their donors and their donor data. And I know that's one of the things that you guys do really well. I was hoping that you could share with me a little bit about that, but then also like the other things that you guys do over at Network for Good. Sure. Um, so Network for Good is a really interesting organization because we're two different entities. Um, so networkforgood.org um, was founded in 2001 when there were leaders at AOL, Cisco, and Yahoo who came together with a mission to make it easy to give online so that it would be as easy to donate online as it was to shop online. And you remember, this is like right at the beginning of, um, of you know, online shopping and communicating. And so they, so networkforgood.org was created and offered um, donation pages so that you could give online and then the, uh, you know, and the checks and things would be processed and sent out to all of these charities. Um, fast forward 
21 years later and dot org still exists and um and uh has worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of organizations and they have wonderful partnerships with Meta and Google and these other you know amazing organizations that are um wanting to support uh our sector and um channel giving through their platforms so so we have networkforgood.org and then um in 2013 we had been noticing that there were lots of small and medium-sized nonprofits who just didn't have the technology to support their needs. And it could be on either end of the spectrum. Um, on one side, they were using Excel spreadsheets or just these really, in some cases, paper, you know, uh, files and things to really catalog and track their, their donors and their fundraising. And, um, and you know, that's not sustainable. And then we had... Um, we have customers on other on the other end who were using more sophisticated platforms and they really didn't need them. They were small, what we would call small shops, right? Like they were small organizations. They might be volunteer led. And the software that they had was just too complicated for their actual needs. So it would take them longer to do what they needed to do. So we spun off a um a for-profit B corporation. And, and if you know anything about B corporations, they are the closest things that you could get to a nonprofit uh, that's still a for-profit. And so in 2013, we spun off this new for-profit company and we created networkforgood.com. And um, so we have, uh, we've been serving the nonprofit sector just by, by, um, providing fundraising software that's really simple and smart um, for these organizations. And things then changed in 2022 when networkforgood.com was acquired by Bonterra, which is a brand new company that has just brought together four nonprofit technology leaders. Um, one is the Social Solutions Case Management um, software. Another company is called Cyber Grants that manages the, the um, grant platforms for um, uh, corporations. It actually has 50% of the Fortune 500 companies as customers. Um, Every Action is another fundraising software company that also has advocacy tools. Um, and then Network for Good. And so together, we've all come together um, to, to do what we say, which is we power those who power social impact. And so if you think of it this way, there are the doers who are fueling positive impact across the world. And those are those, um, you know, the, the executive directors or the chief everything officers or the database administrators who are, who are working tirelessly at these nonprofit organizations. And we are fueling them with better technology so they can do it more effectively. And so now Bonterra is the second largest social impact company in the world. We have more than 15,000 nonprofit organizations that we're working with, 18,000 customers, and it's really exciting times. Networkforgood.org remains its own separate ent entity right now. So that means that you're, you've got a really, you, you mentioned this earlier too, but it sounds like you will probably have like a really good, like eagle's eye view of what is going on out in fundraising. So are there any trends that you're seeing or um, 
like things that we should be looking out for? Like where are we going? It's changing. And guess what? Yeah. Great In question. My, um, years, so I would say of trends I would say um, have I'm really excited by the change and I hope um, everybody else is. is um, there are new ways to fundraise today. Um, and, uh, and so there's a great opportunity to really look beyond your uh, traditional practices, your traditional constituents, and really um, get creative and, um, and also, uh, you know, kind of, I, I want to say advanced, but, but um, get creative and get more um, involved in the use of technology to help drive your fundraising. So when I say that, what I mean is, you can now fundraise um, through virtual and hybrid events. Um, and you can also use video and text to fundraise. People are using QR codes. QR codes have been around a long time, but now because we all had to learn how to use them when we were at restaurants, um, now it's become more popular for donations. Um, and so there are these new ways to do it. And um, I would advise people to, to, you know, get out there and just test and learn your way through it. Um, you can also fundraise through social media, through TikTok, um, you know, <laughs> through gaming. Online gaming has fundraising capabilities, and so there are there are things that people, that consumers, and your supporters are doing out there in the world today, and we really need to be meeting them where they are from a fundraising standpoint and an engagement standpoint, if you want to engage with your, and I call them supporters because it could be your donors. It could be people who are new to your organization. It could be volunteers. It could be service recipients. But if you truly want to engage with them and ultimately um, raise funds for your organization, then we need to meet them where they are. Another example of um, a modern approach to fundraising is something that we call subscription giving. And so Subscription giving is um, the concept of our living in a subscription-based economy with Netflix and Blue Apron and Stitch Fit Fix and all these tools, all these subscriptions that you can get. People are very used to the concept of subscriptions. Um, and so why don't we call recurring giving programs subscription programs? But there's a twist to it. And um, we tested a new methodology um, in a two-year pilot that we did. Um, Network for Good partnered with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And in um, 2020, we rolled out this pilot test with 50 small and medium-sized nonprofits across the country. And the focus of it was to go out and see if this subscription giving methodology worked. And um, so what we did was we asked our, our pilot participants to segment their donors by um, non-donors, one-time or ad hoc donors, and then, you know, the monthly donors and begin to talk to them in different ways. And then um, second piece of it was um, to change on their donation page, um, change it from a one-time uh, gift default to a monthly gift default. So, and then anytime they went out and they made a pitch um, for uh, a gift, they would ask for a monthly subscription or a subscription instead, um, rather than one-time gifts. Because what's the harm in that? The, the person just could say no and say, oh no, I'd rather not do a subscription gift right now, but I'll give you a one-time gift. There's no loss there. The only thing that, that, that really stands in, for, in front of you is a gain because guess what? Some people will say yes. And if you're not doing it, you're missing an opportunity 
to actually raise more sustainable funds. And so that was a piece of it. Um, another piece was be to begin to engage your subscribers in curated content, meaning they would get some unique things uh, and they don't have to be time consuming. It could be a short little email or a test message saying, hey, we hit this milestone today. Or, um, you know, here's a really interesting story from one of our um one of our service recipients, and we were so touched by it, and we thought that you might want to hear it. But all of the um, unique content that we are sharing with them is focused on impact, because what we know is that donors want to make a difference through your charity. They want to see the impact that's made. And I think sometimes where we fall short, and, um, you know, Monica, you know this, um, you know, being on the, the marketing and the website, in the website design space, is um, being able to effectively communicate the great good that is being done by organizations and the true impact that's being made. And so when you are engaging your subscribers, you're you're sharing that impact with them on a regular basis through di different channels. So that was the other piece. And then the fourth piece was um, to use subscription-based metrics to evaluate your success. So there are SaaS, subscription as a service companies, they're called SaaS companies. Um, they have some different metrics beyond, you know, the, the cost to raise a dollar, right? Um, and instead, we also looked at the lifetime value of the donor. How much is this donor worth to us over time? Um, because what we know is that it is easier to retain a donor than it is to acquire a new donor. So with a focus on subscriptions and on donor retention, we're actually able to raise um, the recurring revenue in an organization. And in the nonprofit sector, the average retention rate is 44%. And in uh, with subscription companies, it's actually 70% and higher. So what we thought was if we could raise the bar for these um, charities and actually um, generate a higher level of subscription and retention, then it could be not only transformational for them, but for, um, but for the sector as well. And so when we did this um, pilot, it, it went so well the first year that we actually, um, you know, continued it for a second year. And here are just a couple of the outcomes. Um, one, the subscription giving participants actually had two and a half times the number of subscription donors compared to our control group. They retained those donors at a rate that was 33% higher than the control group. Their revenue retention was 30 percentage points higher, 30 percentage points higher than that of the control group. And the lifetime value of their subscription gifts, the dollars that, was, that were coming in, was actually six times higher than the control group. So we saw some really incredible results. And um, the bottom line is that when you just step in and you try and test and learn new fundraising approaches, you just give it a whirl things can happen. And guess what? If, if what happens is you learn something, that's also really important for an organization. I talked to another organization recently and they've been, they've been doing TikToks lately. And they're like, we're growing our engagement. You know, we're middle-aged ladies and we had no idea what we were doing, but we all just decided we're going to go for it. And we had our kids help us out and boom, we did it. And we have a, we have a great following and people are having a lot of fun with it. So I, I encourage all of your listeners to to stop. And this is I'm I'm a coach myself. I'm a certified executive coach. So so I put my coaching hat on and I love asking people, 
what do you have to lose? Nothing. <laughs> and like, that's one of the interesting, I was going to ask you a little bit about like texting. So phone numbers are one of the things that we've been getting permission to contact people through with Como Gives for the last two years, because I was like, I, I just know that this is going to be something that's going to be great for our campaign. But we do get, and I say our campaign. So I have to always take a step back and say, Como Gives is our community's year and month long giving campaign. It is powered by the Community Foundation of Central Missouri and May Create is honored to be the digital media sponsor and web guru tech support arm of the campaign, right? <laughs> so um, we're always thinking of new ways to get the message out there. And so we've been collecting these phone numbers but I get pushback from, you know, the, and John, the executive director, usually he's like down for anything, but he's a little, and he's very forward thinking, but he's a little uncomfortable with the idea of texting. He feels like it's an invasion of people's privacy. He gave me permission to text twice this year throughout the month. So I'm like, okay, well, I got permission to do too. Um, um, I mean, how do you feel about that? Is it, is it a well-used part of your service or is it something that is not being as adopted as quickly as you would hope? That's a great question. Um, it is an option. It is part of our um, fundraising software. So it's available um, and an organization can opt to use it or not use it. The way that I um, look at it and advise organizations is if we don't give people the opportunity to give to us and to make their own decisions, then we're like a big brother. We're, we're actually the ones who are going, oh, you donor or you supporter, I know what's best for you. You don't know what's best for yourself. And so I always encourage people to ask folks to opt in, ask them if they want to opt in and, and provide their mobile number. These people care about your mission. And guess what? Not everybody reads emails. I, I, I want you guys all to pause for a minute and think about how many unread emails you have in your email box. Now, if you say zero, then you are super amazing, awesome, and you are a beautiful, rare being. But if you're like me, you probably have hundreds of unread emails that you have sort of like scrolled through or, or and, and they're there and you don't always catch them. Um, but how many unread text messages do you have in th at this moment in time? I'm terrible about it. Oh, you my, are. I like, wow. okay, so my, um, no, but, but like, I totally understand what you're saying. I should actually look and see. Um, I think I have, uh, um, Stacy always freaks out. I have 125 unread text messages right now. Whoa. But, but you are I, a rare bird too. You are a rare, rare, rare person I as well. I read the, um, when the notification pops up, I read like the snippet at the beginning. Oh, you and if it. I, if I need to click on it, I do. And if I don't, I don't, but I do feel like you just gave me the fodder that I need to go back and be like, we should send more text messages because the people did opt in. We asked for their permission. The box is not automatically checked. We said, do you want to receive text messages? They said, yes. So we would actually be doing them a disservice by not sending them a text message about what's going on um, because they asked for it, right? So now we're just 
Yeah. We're doing a disservice by not doing it. That's what I'm going to go back and say, and we'll see if it, it works out. It's true. And good luck with that. I mean, the other piece is we all get test messages from our banks. I mean, I get it from City Cheetah like once every two days and I can delete it. Uh, but it's very rare that I go back and I say, do not text me ever again. Um, so it's all in how you look at it uh, and how you manage it. But there are so many people who would rather get a text message from you that is nice, short and sweet than some email newsletter that they are never, ever, ever going to read. So let's start thinking mm -hmm. about how people communicate today. In today's world, newsletters are just not as popular anymore, um, you know? Mm -hmm. And so let's think about how to communicate. It might be that you have shorter snippets that you send out weekly instead of that big, long monthly email. Um, because we know that this information is being digested in different ways. And, um, and so, you know, multi-channel communications approach is how you can reach your supporters. Um, and so you're not just going to text, right? Like you are going to probably send out an email. You may even send out a snail mail, direct mail piece. You're probably communicating through social media. Text is just one more piece. And so is video. Mm -hmm. What we found, um, and it's incredible, uh, is that when, um, when a gift is given, um, and, uh, typically, you know, that acknowledgement letter will go out immediately, but, but a thank you letter, you know, should go out within, say, 48 hours. Um, but there are a lot of organizations that are now sending personalized videos. And it takes about a minute or less to do. You just grab your cell phone um, or you hop on your computer and you're going to, you know, just record a, a video. And you can use the Network for Good software to send it out. And people are blown away with that personalization. And um, and you don't have to be perfectly, you know, just put together. I We have this one customer who who loves to do it. She's like, I'm walking out of the gym all sweaty. And she goes, and so I'm recording and I'm saying, hey, you know, Bruce, I, I just got out of the gym. I'm a mess. But I want you to know that I saw your donation come through. And it, it means so much to us right now. And I didn't want to take another second, um, you know, without thanking you and just letting you know what an impact you're making on our organization. Now, how do you think that video is going over with that person versus some canned, you know, print letter that they get two weeks later? So what happens is people get that. They're like, oh, wow, this organization cares about me, one. Two, they're, they're advanced. They're using modern technology to communicate with me. Um, and you know what? I'm going to give again. So some, some people actually give larger gifts within the next six months. That's exciting. And I think it speaks a lot to the topic that we talk about so much at the end of the year, which is like done is better than perfect. And sometimes it's so much better than perfect because we're not perfect people. No one is. We're all real. The more real that you can be, the better off you are, I feel like. And I'm always trying to explain, especially to small organizations who tend to, um, not just small organizations, small businesses, people in general, they get like this uh, analysis or paralysis by analysis. They're like, oh, I got to do all these things. It's got to be all right. It has to, it's got to be perfect before I do it. And I'm like, you're just holding yourself back at this point. Like you start where you are. It's not going to be perfect when you start. You're going to learn your lessons along the way. But if you never do it the first time, then you can't learn the next 
lesson, like the thing that makes us who we are are not necessarily our successes. It's what we do with our failures so that like, we can move on to the next spot, right? And so that's such a great example of that. Just, it's okay, guys. You just try it out. <laughs> and yeah, well, and you know, being authentic and present is an important piece of it. Um, it can be difficult for some long established organizations to put themselves out there um, in a vulnerable way, mm -hmm. right? We're trying this thing. We don't really know if it's going to work or not, but we're going to try to fake it until we make it. Yeah. Um, and that happens and that's okay. But I think as we have gone through the pandemic and um, really looked inward and we're looking at, you know, just some of the real challenges in the world today with um, mental health, with, um, you know, the social justice movement, with the, with a desire to um, really address uh, DEIB initiatives. Um, it's okay to step into things and go, we may not have all the answers, but we're trying right now and, and our efforts are genuine. And, um, and so that also rolls into fundraising too. Um, and what I encourage the listeners to think about is um, who your donors are today. I talk to, I've talked to many small organizations, mid-sized organizations over the years. And they're always like, we know who our donors are. We know our major donors so well. We know everything about them. Again, we're not giving ourselves and our donors the opportunity to share what's important with them. So, you know, when was the last time your organization actually surveyed your supporters and asked them what communication channels they preferred mm -hmm. and asked them what initiatives they're really focused on right now and ask them what they care about, ask them what they like about your organization and then begin to then take that and really absorb it and think about whether or not your gala is touching the right people still. Yeah. You know, does it, does it tie to your mission? Because galas are a lot of work. Special events are a lot of work. Are your special events in sync with your donors for the future? We have a lot of people who want um, a younger pool of donors, but they rarely do anything to attract the younger pool of donors. So going back to texting, you know, you've got a lot of millennials and folks, you know, in their 20s who would love to be part of your organization. Are you communicating with them in the ways in which they like to be communicated with? Are you hosting events that really touch them? You know, um, maybe there's a gaming event that you want to do or just something. Um, maybe there, uh, maybe you want to bring more diversity to your donor base. What do your events look mm -hmm. like? Yeah. They're all the same, you know, ethnicity or race there. What are you doing? Yeah. How are you, how are you fostering a more open environment? So there are lots of things that can be done, but it takes, you know, we should not be figuring it out on our own as the chief everything officer or the board or, you know, the employees. We have to go outside and we have to talk to people and we have to talk to our supporters and not just the ones who've been with us for a long time, but these new folks. And then also people who are not donors, but they're the, they're, they're like the folks that we want to recruit to become part of our organization five years down the road, 10 years down the road, because you can start to put some practices in place today that will help you recruit 
the donors that you want for the future. I agree. I, I love it. I think you're 100% right. And whenever I pose those questions to people, I get the same answers. And then there are people that I challenge every time I've talked to them. I'm like, well, what about this? And they're like, well, it's just, and I'm like, I don't know. Because they have a limited bandwidth within their organizations to do things. And when you're spending half your time putting on this event that might not actually be the right thing for you anymore, that's doing a disservice to yourself and to the other people that could be getting involved. It's, but it is hard. I know the change is hard, but baby steps, right? And I watch some organizations in our community that are, they're doing a great job and they're trying stuff. And sometimes they're doing good and sometimes they're not. But once again, you can't know unless you try, right? And so I do, I love it. And I love that um, you suggested just reaching out to them. I feel like a lot of the times people just want to do all that, especially if you're a younger human being, even like myself, sometimes you're like, I don't know if I want to pick up the phone, but there's just something different about having a conversation and hearing something in the tone of someone's voice to know what really is going on and asking them the questions. You can call complete strangers. If they're within your target market, listen to what they have to say, because they're not afraid of hurting your feelings. They don't even know you. <laughs> but that was one beautiful thing about the pandemic. I could like call anybody and, and ask them questions about what we were thinking about doing as a company. And they would sit down and talk to me. So they're like, I'm just sitting in my basement. And I'm like, this is so awesome. <laughs> I'm a captive audience. But I, I love that idea. And I think it's the, like, the best suggestion for people who are concerned about getting future ready and not sure what to say, even in their marketing, like all those ideas come from the people that you serve and the people that help you serve those people. So your donors and your constituents or whatever you call the people that you serve. Right. Um, yep. Yep. W one thing to add to that, if, if you don't mind, um, is, uh, I, I am very aware of the time factor and how hard it is to build these types of things in. And so discipline comes into play there. Um, scheduling time every Friday, half an hour to make five calls to either um, donors that you want to thank um, or prospects that you want to touch um, or um, someone that you want to just learn more about. Uh, but just putting yourself out there and doing those five calls and challenging yourself to five calls and then 10 calls or whatever and, and having that be part of the discipline. Um, a lot of people are doing what we call reactive fundraising. You're sending the thank you notes. You're, you're doing these things that you always have to do, but then there's proactive fundraising, which is getting outside the box and beginning to do new initiatives for your organization. Maybe this is a new initiative to just make those calls. You can also do, you know, Network for Good. We have we you, forum capabilities, so you can email a survey out or send a survey. You could ask a couple more survey questions on your donation form if you want. This doesn't have to be a big project, you just can begin to build it into the fundraising that you're doing. Um, you could even ask the question, Hey, why'd you give? Mm -hmm. What, what motivated you? We, we really appreciate the gift. We're just, we're, we're polling some people. We just want to hear your story. Well, that'll open things up. Um, you also don't have to do it just by yourself. Um, you got a whole board and you got some volunteers, I bet. And if you put together a script and you shared with them what the goal is and, you know, there was a time frame and all you have to do is give 
name and the you know email and the phone number. Um, and you could have them as this is a major donor. This is a mid-level donor. This is a prospect. You don't even have to give the dollar amount because we want to be, you know, private in that. Um, your, your, your volunteers can help you make some of those calls and do some of that discovery. And guess what? They love it. They love it. And this is a great time to do it. Um, as you head into your giving season, it's a wonderful time to start doing those thank you calls and those nice personal touches because what you're trying to do is is you know, prime the pump a little bit, you know, warm people up to your organization again, and then you're going to you know appeal to them for gifts and they're going to be like, oh yeah, I just had that call and they were awesome. Um, so it's a it's a nice tactic to employ and to leverage your board and volunteers to help do. Um, it doesn't have to be all of your donors, uh, but certainly a nice little chunk uh, and um, a great way to to step into giving season. I I want to piggyback on that and say it doesn't just prime externally; it also primes internally. Because when you are the person making those phone calls, it does like the, not the survey phone calls or the thank you phone calls, but when you're having to do the outreach, when you're the person who has to write all those letters and those emails and stuff, all those envelopes, it, you start to feel sometimes like a used car salesperson. You're like, I know that I'm behind a great cause, but I am so tired of asking people for money. But when you can start with these wonderful things that people are saying and how much they appreciate what you're doing and why they believe in your cause, it makes it so much easier to get excited about making the next step because you just heard on repeat that they are happy to give to you, that you gave them an opportunity to make an impact, not that you're just asking for money. So I always feel like that makes a huge difference. And I always with Como Gibbs, make sure that I read through all the things that our donor survey said, like the donors tell us why they love the campaign. And I always read through it and I get like chills and I'm like, this is why I do this. This is why I do it every year. This is why I work overtime for three months leading up to December, right? Um, and it's because of this right here, this outcome. And it makes me feel great. And I always make sure I'm like sharing it with the organizations and my staff and even with our donors. Like that's part of the thing that goes into our our ask emails that are part of that campaign at the end of the year and our, and our social media as well, are all those wonderful things that our donors said, because they make us okay with that. So I do agree. And it's not just an external effort. It's an internal effort. Everybody has to be okay. <laughs> Get everybody on the okay scale and they're ready to move forward. Right. Um, so I wanted to ask you, uh, cause we haven't talked much about your software, I did want to ask you, um, because I mean, yeah, you can go to the website and learn all about it. And we did interview um, Billy. With, Billy. Yes. Yes. And with um, the Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture. And his episode is out there too. And he tells us all about how they use it. And, and they use it in a really smart way. I was like impressed with how they use all the different features. But anyway, so speaking of different features, are there like any things that you've heard about that your users are requesting that you're working on right now? I, I love it when, um, so we just bought this new uh, online marketing and automation like CRM software for our company. And I'm like, ah, the email builder is so dumb. And then in a month, they like, after I said that they like, they were like, here's a new user interface and it loads way faster. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it's like, you heard me yelling at my computer. 
Did, are you guys doing any stuff like that? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, I love to hear that that company listened, right? Listen to you. Um, we listen uh, to our customers as well. Um, we capture uh, feedback from them through multiple channels. And everyone in our company has access to um, what we call the voice of the customer. So um, customers' stories and um, you know things that they write in surveys are shared with every single person in the company so that we can see and hear directly from our customers, no matter what we're doing. If we're designing product, we're working sales, we're customer support, we're coaches. Um, so uh, it is really important. And the the great thing about you know companies like the one that you mentioned and what I feel Network for Good is like as well, is that we are always working to optimize our um, solutions. And you know Network for Good was designed to be a simple and smart fundraising, you know, software platform for small to medium sized nonprofits. And what that means is just like your iPhone, uh, it's meant to be very intuitive. We don't, you know, there, there's sophistication built behind it, but it's not meant to be clunky for you. And, and certainly there are going to be some clunky features like we get it. Um, but we're, we built ourselves specifically for those needs of the small nonprofits. And then our mission is to build better fundraisers by making the product simple and really provide guidance that builds into confidence confidence so that when you're using it, you're like, I feel good. I know I'm doing this right. I know I'm using the best practices, you know, and, and it's happening. Um, and because we have these personal fundraising coaches that can work one-on-one -on -one with nonprofits, they're able to help them with strategy. So it's not just, okay, well, how do I send this email? You know, now I have this new software and I can send out this email or I could do this video. Your personal fundraising coach can actually go, well, what are you going to say in that email? And, and what's the cadence going to be? And what's your long-term strategy? And who are you focusing on? Are you focusing on donor acquisition or lapsed donors or your recurring donors? Like, what, what is all this that you want to accomplish and do? And so those are things that really make us unique differentiators. But, um, but in terms of what's new and what's coming, um, when the pandemic hit, we knew that people had to pivot very quickly to a virtual world. And so we released software um, for events and auctions. And so that's been something that we've been focused on for the last two years. And it's been amazing just how popular um, the software has become. Um, so that was, that was just cool, right? Like we, there were, Nonprofits didn't have a platform online where they could do virtual events and there was a donation button right there to do it. And they had a chat, you know, and they could link to their online auction that was happening at the same time. Now there is that and you can, you know, set a goal and everybody can see how you're tracking against your goal. So there's these awesome fundraising features that are built into your virtual and hybrid events. Um, and it has that great online auction side of things. Um, so we continue to optimize that um, and roll out other features that are super user friendly. But where we are focused right now as a company is having been acquired and now part of Bonterra, this new company, what we're doing is we're looking across all those four companies to see where some of these other product features can plug in to our offering. So it's really exciting. I mean, I just have to say it's, it's so thrilling to know that there are more features and guess what? 
more product developers, more minds, more people thinking about how do we make this software amazingly simple and useful to our customers. And that starts, it, 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 the goal is an end-to-end -end solution, right? Like where a nonprofit can then use all of these tools that they need, like case management um, or advocacy, right? Or even just having a simple grants management capability um, to have that, but not just them, um, the community, you know, so that we can begin to see the impact that we're making. Because when you have software that is serving these di different parts of the nonprofit organization, then you can actually see the bigger impact that the organization is making. Um, you know, you're able to take data from the case management platform that shows the incredible outcomes that are occurring because of the, you know, services that they're providing. And then that data can feed into, well, how does your fundraising look? And how are you using that data from your services to go out and fundraise for more and to really highlight your incredible work? Um, so you can see that. And then the other piece is that then um, communities can look at, well, how do we equip our community with the same fundraising uh, fundraising, and then also just nonprofit tools and services um, so that we can, as a community, really see what our scorecard is in terms of true social impact? So it's really neat. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, and I'll just say this. They all come together. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Um, so, so Bonterra as a company, um, was created to do social good and all of our executives, and we have an impact scorecard, um, that we are measured against on a regular basis. Our board is looking at what kind of impact we're making, because what we say is that profit follows purpose. When you have a purpose and it's big and meaningful, then profit will follow. So our first focus is how, what kind of, what kind of impact are we making? How big is it? Because we want to make a big impact. And so all of our executive team are compensated based on the impact that we're making. That's part of their income. So we as a company are just motivated to power those, you know, people who are doing good. We power the doers. I always say that um, a good a good business has the heart of a nonprofit and a good nonprofit runs like a business. Right. That's a great way to put it. I love that. I love it. Yeah. So what you just said makes perfect sense because if you put the people that you serve at the forefront of everything that you do and you have a purpose and you're always looking to do better by them, then you will go nowhere but up in your company. But you also have to run like a company. <laughs> and the same with a nonprofit, you have to run like a company. So, yeah, and it's a, and it's an ecosystem, right? Like you're in sync because then, you know, you're you as a as a company, right? Your nonprofit customers plus the folks that they're serving are all in this ecosystem together. And we're all in it together, right? Because our purpose is to make a better world. Like every mission that that is funneled up, that's the purpose. And guess what? Our software, we're trying to help you do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so it's we're we're interwoven. And a lot of the people that have been on this podcast will absolutely say, don't be afraid of the technology because the technology is your friend. And if you can embrace something that makes you better, faster, stronger, 
but still hold on to your core values and what makes you good, then you can deliver things even better for the people that you serve. And so it's, it's just something that we're all, we're all working our way into right now, you know, like one baby step at a time. I know that um, you guys offer a lot of free resources. So I think as we're wrapping up, I would love for you to share like where people can go find some of those reports and free resources, especially to help them out as we like roll into the end of the year, as everybody's starting to do their year and getting planning, where can they go find that stuff? And, and what, what in particular would you suggest that they look at? Great question. Um, so Network for Good has long been um, known for our content. Um, we have a ton of webinars, white papers, guides, templates. We have a blog. I actually host a podcast. It's called The Accidental Fundraiser, Radical Stories, Radically Authentic Stories from the Trenches. So we are, you know, talking with and sharing stories from those individuals who, and it's pretty much all of us, you know, who have fallen into fundraising and we never thought we'd be doing it. So um, I encourage everybody to go check that out. You could find it wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, but let's talk about, you know, the other resources that are available. You would go to networkforgood.com uh, to our website, and then you would just click on resources and you'll be able to see what webinars are coming up, which ones have been recorded. Um, there are some really awesome tools that we've put out around year-end giving over the past few years. Um, we have an e-guide and that e-guide has advice from our coaches. Um, it has a methodology behind it. We have a calendar, a very comprehensive calendar for, you know, when to start your campaign, what it looks like, how many touches you might want to make. Um, if you're a network for good customer, we actually build templates into our software. It's kind of like Mad Lib style so that you don't have to re you don't have to invent the wheel, right? Like you just go in and you start putting in your name and you start putting in your organization name and, and, uh, you know, some stories and some pictures, but like half the work is already done, maybe three quarters of it. And you can pick and choose which things you want. And it's beyond the emails. It's a direct mail. It's scripts for phone calls. It's scripts for social media posts and videos and text messages that you might send. So it's a, it's a great tool as you begin to plan out your year end. The um, e-guide, the year-end e-guides are free, so you can just download that straight from our website. And we always have webinars around year-end giving and planning for it and Giving Tuesday, um, just because so many organizations participate. Um, we also worked with uh, Meta, um, you know, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram. And we partnered with them last year to write a bunch of um, help guides and just information. Uh, we did webinars and e-guides and things around leveraging um, digital tools, particularly Facebook and Instagram and for fundraising and engagement practices. So you can actually go into um, Meta and Facebook and, and search for that. They've got a great um uh, partner portal for nonprofits. Um, so that's available to you as well. Lots and lots and lots there. You know, I, I also just want to share one thing. Um, it really can be overwhelming to try new things, to gear up and, and feel refreshed and ready for whatever your next fundraising initiative is. Um, I encourage organizations to think about building it in regularly and just 
letting it be part of your, your day-to-day activities, right? Like building that fundraising discipline and where you do schedule time so that you can be creative, you can try new things, um, you can get the stories that you need, you can do the data uh, dive that you may need to do to really analyze who is giving to you and why, um, planning for next year. Put that time on your calendar. Um, all of your listeners are here today for a reason. You want ideas. You want inspiration. You want to do a better job. Create the discipline in yourself and your organization to do it. And by the way, again, it doesn't always have to fall on your shoulders, right? Like, so think about who can help you brainstorm and how you can better celebrate some of the wins that you have. And maybe it is that you, if you have a staff meeting each week, you have a little fundraising report that's part of it, or you put a thermometer up on, you know, some wall or something in your offices or um, within your communication channels and everybody together is following that year end campaign. So it isn't as isolating. Um, And it really begins to show that, Fundraising is an important part of an organization's sustainability, and everyone has a role in it in one way or another, and um, we all need to celebrate it together, um, and we all can keep it part and parcel of our day-to-day activities um, with just a little discipline. I agree. We keep a... We have a spreadsheet where we... like, And I know I I can run the reports because I run the reports to get the data... But we have a spreadsheet that um, makes these lovely graphs that as soon as the campaign opens for Como Gives, we'll literally like fight over who gets to go put the number in for the day because every day we're going to report back to the rest of the team like where we're at and what we did. And then we also do check-ins with the marketing data as well, where I'm going to report back to the nonprofits and say, here's what's working. Here's what's not working, (laughs) you know, like keep it up. And then, and then if they actually come to the marketing check-ins, I'm like, do you want me to check your specific data for your campaign on the website? Cause I can. And that's like, they're like kickback, right. For actually showing up for the, um, cause I mean, metrics are so cool. You can learn so much from them. And I, I really do think that it keeps you motivated. Um, to go around. Like, I wish we, maybe we should get a thermometer this year. We don't have a thermometer. We've got a spreadsheet, but it builds the thermometer. (laughs) It it builds, it builds, it builds. It feels so good too. You know, as we talk about the pandemic, one of the terms that I really love to use. So everybody talks about how resilient we've been through the pandemic. I like to use the term and it's, it's a business term, but it's anti-fragile. And um, what it means is that, uh, an organization, a company, a team, however you want to look at it, um, will continue, a person will continue to grow and become better based on the shocks and stressors that are put on them. So, you know, when hard times comes, um, you're not necessarily being resilient. Resilient means like you're the rubber band. You're going to go back to the same shape of the rubber band when it's, when it's not being pulled anymore. Anti-fragile means you're going to evolve. You're going to shape and morph into this new thing. And that's where we are right now. That's where we are as people. It's where we are as organizations. It's where we are with fundraising and with each of your events that you do and the knowledge and learnings that grow, you become more and more anti-fragile and it feels so good. It feels so good to know that that growth is taking place. I love that word. I wrote it down. Anti-fragile. 
I am no longer resilient. I'm just anti-fragile. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with, you know, uh, saying resilient. I believe me, but I do. I like the evolution. I, I do think too. It's cool. I like the way you explained it too. Back to the rubber band. That that's, that's awesome. Okay. So, um, wrapping up here, where can people find you, get a hold of you? You talked about your podcast. You said the accidental fundraiser is that's what it's called. That's what it's called. So yes, check out Accidental Fundraiser. Um, please visit networkforgood.com and learn more about our awesome fundraising solutions. And then go check out Bonterra. It's uh, bonterratech.com. And um, it's it's just an exciting company that's being built. Um, and if you are interested in any of those other solutions, case management, grants management, um, or more... Um, sophisticated fundraising solutions and advocacy solutions, volunteer management, we've got it. Um, so reach out to us. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Please reach out to me. Look for Kimberly O'Donnell. Um, and uh, it's been such a pleasure being here today. And I just want to wish everybody who is listening a happy, happy giving season. Um, our CEO uh, at NFG, Bill Strathman, uh, used to say it was the most glorious time of the year, and it truly is. It's it's amazing and awesome and um, just an incredible groundswell of giving that occurs and generosity. And it it really ripples. Uh, and you know, we want to, we want to be doing things throughout the year so that it really ripples in a, in a strong manner year end, but, um, it is such a fun time. It really is. Yep. Each campaign builds on the next one. So do all the things now. So that way you can reap all the benefits later. So thank you so much for all your time today. I feel like we've covered like, you know, maybe a full semester's worth of content for a college class right now. <laughs> but hopefully, yes. hopefully our listeners had that like aha moment of like goodness that you get in a great conversation where you're like, I should be writing that down, but I'm driving the car. And so now what? So don't, don't write it down while you're driving the car. Just pause us. We'll have the transcript up on the website. So you can go out to maycreate.com and click on our nonprofit marketing with purpose podcast. And there you go. Then, then you can see the transcript. So that way you don't have to write down all the awesomeness that Kimberly just shared with us. So thank you so much for your time today. And until next time, go forth and market with purpose. Now, before I let you go, will you please review this podcast wherever you're listening? It will help us show up when people are looking for answers to the problems that this podcast will help them solve. So if you're a fan and you haven't reviewed the podcast, please leave me a review. That would be so awesome. I would love to hear your feedback. And if this was your first time, I mean, double welcome. And I hope you learned a thing or two. So leave a review so we can connect with even more awesome nonprofits just like you and help them on their journey to less stressful and more successful marketing. Thanks again for your time today. 